and welcome to Start Right Here, a podcast where we discuss breaking in, standing out, and the path to success in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Corinne Corbett, and I hope the conversations I have with my guests inspire you to forge a path of your own. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. I'm really excited. You know, I always say I'm really excited, but I am excited once again, because I'm excited about this podcast, to talk with a entrepreneur who answered a problem she had and created a line that is serving so many with the same challenges. Jessica Pritchard is the CEO and founder of Uli. Aligned for Locks, Only for Locks. And we're going to hear about how she decided to create this line and learn more about her career path. Welcome, Jessica. Hi. So excited to be on your podcast. I'm glad to have you here. Can you give us like a 30-second bio? I am now a beauty boss, but um, I'm also a comic book nerd. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a political wonk. I'm a Trekkie. I'm obsessed with Marvel comics. Anything Star Wars, I watch a lot of television. And I'm an avid reader. So that's how I would just give you my bio real quick. Was the beauty industry a detour or a destination for you? It was definitely a detour. I have tried to start other businesses in the past in different areas, different arenas. And I pivoted a lot to sort of find where I wanted to be. But little did I know the best business path for me was like right on top of my head. And I just had ignored it for a really long time. I've had locks almost 20 years and I've had issues with finding products. And, you know, it took a long time for me to find the right business, but I did. Definitely. As you were detouring, as you were pivoting, what were some of the jobs? So let's talk about your first job. What was it and how did you get it? Well, my first job was in entertainment for a record company. I started off as a temp job and um, it went temp to perm. And because I'm a musician and have played instruments, I wanted to be in the music industry. So it was like the perfect thing. Okay. You know, at that time I was like, I could be a musician in the music business or a producer or something like that. So it was like the perfect job for me to start out. What was the role? It was in the copyright department. So registering songs with the copyright office in DC for artists, composers, producers, songwriters that had a deal with the record company and the music publisher that I worked with. And publishing rights is a big deal when it comes to who gets paid for what down the line. A lot of people think that having the mic in your hand is most powerful. It really isn't. It is the songwriter and the composer that really makes the money and controls the song. What is the skill you learned there that set you up for success? Honestly, from the music business, it was Make sure you have your paperwork in order, especially like recording artists, which it rarely ever happens that way. But they get into really bad deals because their paperwork is not in order. Contracts aren't signed or even drafted. And I take that into entrepreneurship to say, if you're going to do A, B, C and D, we need to have an agreement signed on paper at all times. 
just to protect me, the person paying, and to protect you providing the service. That's amazing. And that's such a smart thing. And I have been in situations where people have wanted to do stuff on their word. And I find that to be a challenging situation. And you can get burned just as recording artists are getting burned. And we may have known it, but you know, when you watch a little biopic and you see, okay, they got how much? What? No? Okay. So we all have to be. It's always the same story. I signed something. I didn't know what I was signing. I never saw a dime or I saw only $500. You know what? It's in that agreement. You just didn't read it. You've also worked in entertainment in the cable television industry. And you've also worked in kind of the operational side. How did that help further your path towards entrepreneurship? Well, I pivoted from uh, entertainment. And within cable television, I was in consumer products. Now, obviously, Uli is a consumer product. Saw the whole workings of consumer products and how people interacted with them and what they wanted and trying to sort of guess and anticipate what a customer would want and what goes into a choice. The packaging, yes, the products, but sometimes it's the packaging to get you to take it off the shelf. So working in consumer products helped me understand customers more. And also when I was building out Uli and doing my customer profile, it came easy to me because I kind of knew the questions to answer and what to look for. So your dad was an entrepreneur. Yes, my father's a pharmacist. What impact did that have on your perception of entrepreneurship? And did you think as a child that you would ever be an entrepreneur? Yes, I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I idolized my father. He was a pharmacist. And at the time, um, they would not hire Black pharmacists. He had a pharmacy license from the state of Connecticut, but they gave him a broom. So he was like, I didn't go to school to sweep. So he started his own pharmacy. And I saw that the man was gone 16, 17 hours a day. His work ethic was amazing. And I know that being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart. And sometimes you have to do all the jobs. Not only did he have to fill prescriptions, he had to sweep, run the cash register, stock, do security, clean up, all of it. So I got to see what it was really like to be an entrepreneur. People say, oh, you know, run your own business. Yeah, that sounds nice. But there's a lot of other things that go into it. Did you launch the other businesses or did you play around with the ideas before you landed on Uli? I played around. I launched a few, but I failed upward. I will say that I failed upward. I took something from each experience, whether or not I went to market with it or not, to say, okay, I'm not going to do this the next time. So any mistakes that I made previously, I have not repeated which is a good thing. But people don't see the years. I've been trying to start a business for 15 years and I finally got something good last year. So it was a process of just trying and seeing if it works. And I really do feel like unless you're viral or you're well-known, this is what most entrepreneurs go through, failing upwards. Oh, I would agree. And, you know, we don't talk enough about failure. It's almost like a dirty little secret, but we know that if we don't fail, we don't succeed. 
if you're actually in the game, if you're grinding, if you don't fail. And I also think that people cherry pick, I've said this before on the show, cherry pick like lean startup methodology. They cherry pick the parts they like and they hear that fail fast part, but they don't actually listen to the rest that goes around the rest of the thought process that goes along with the fail fast. And I love the fact that your business pivots and your entrepreneurial pivots have just, as you said, helped you fail upwards, but also kind of like giving you insight into how you want to do business. Right. And it's not easy to fail, but I'm one of those people that I just keep getting up. I don't know when to sit down. So even if I may have failed, I may have, you know, licked my wounds for a couple of months or maybe a year, but I'll get back up and do something else because starting a business for me was about bringing a good product to market, but it was also a means of survival for me. Corporate America wasn't for me. Right. And you mean like psychologically surviving, emotionally surviving that way? Yeah, I mean, because there's just a lot about being a Black woman in corporate America. And after a while, I just didn't want to do it anymore. So I said, well, I have to find something that's going to support me. And what can that be? So I was still working, but trying to find something that could sustain me. Understood. Let's talk about launching Uli and how you stumbled upon the idea that worked. So you said the problem was right on top of your head. You know, and at first I would say I was a beauty product junkie because I would have 50, 60 jars, bottles, tubes of things that I would buy. Oh, this will probably work. I would try it once. It wouldn't. And then it just becomes something that you leave in a bin somewhere. The graveyard. Yes. You know, things didn't work. People with locks, you know, you can't use everything. You can't use creamy stuff. It doesn't wash out. You can't use waxy stuff. It causes buildup. And, you know, I wanted to create a line where you could use everything I had. It would work. You could save money. And it's not going to cause buildup, thinning, and all those like awful things that the other products were causing. And a lot of people who wear locks DIY it. You know, they'll go to the store. They'll get a stalk of aloe leaf and make things. But, you know, that's not going to last. Maybe till tomorrow, you know, you're going to have to toss it. So I was like, you know, let me create something for these people that are DIYing products because they've tried everything and they've wasted all this money. And that's how the whole idea for Uli came about, probably in like early 2018. How did you develop your formulas? Initially, I just researched a lot of like natural oils and I listed, okay, what are the problems that people with locks have? Is it buildup, thinning, dryness? And then I looked, searched for natural oils that combat those things or help those things. And then I took my not knowing and failing from the past and I said, you know what? I'm not going to try to go out this alone. I'm going to hire somebody to set me on the right path. So I hired a product developer that helped me locate labs, let me get the concentrations right. Did I want to do like fair trade or, you know, plant-based, you know, sort of give me the knowledge that I didn't have. In the past, that was not something I did. I just said, you know, I could do this and I ran out the door with it. But this time I said, I'm going to get somebody to help me do it right. So that's how I reframed the past failures. 
how did you decide to position Uli after you did this research and you working with the product developer and meeting with labs? How would you describe the brand? I would say that Uli is a plant-based uh, hair care system for locks that actually works and saves you money. That's my one sentence pitch there. And then I said, you know what? This is a unisex line because men and women wear this hairstyle. And believe it or not, 40% of my customers are men. They're directly purchasing from me versus maybe like a spouse or a girlfriend or boyfriend purchasing. They are directly purchasing from me. And that's a big chunk of my customer base. Let's talk about what's in the line. How many SKUs do you currently have? Currently, I have six SKUs. I have a natural shampoo, which is like a gentle, you could use it more often. I have a clarifying shampoo, why my products don't cause buildup. If you've happened to use something else, you can use a clarifying shampoo to take out any buildup you might have. I have a leave-in conditioner, which is a spray. Uh, Creamy conditioners are just not going to work here. They probably won't wash out or they'll get stuck like inside the lock. And then that can cause mildew and really nasty things there. I have a hair and scalp oil that has 17 different oils in it. Like there's babasu oil and olive oil and grapeseed. There's like 17 different ones. And I do have some people that don't have locks that loot their hair loose naturals that buy the hair or the hair and scalp oil they love. And then I have like a finishing hair fragrance. It's a lemongrass smelling like hair fragrance. I always found that when people are interested in locks and they want to know more, they have this misconception that it smells. It does not. (laughs) But I kind of like to do the hair fragrance as like a smell good afterwards, like a finishing thing. And lemongrass is a little aromatherapy-like feeling, like it's an uplifting thing. And the lightness of the scent is not going to weigh the person down. And all of my other products are pretty much scentless. So that the hair fragrance, you can smell it uh, when you put it on and you walk by and people are like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? (laughs) So it's a little like smell good thing. Oh, I love it. Yeah. The products are like scentless, which I kind of didn't want unscented. I wanted not so many different smells mixing together. Now, is that because if it was heavily scented, it would be kind of like permeate the locks too long or something? I just think it would be over, especially if you're going to wash your hair, you're going to twist it with the lock gel, you're going to do the leave-in. I mean, the hair oil has a little smell because tea tree has a little bit of a smell to it. But if you're using five and six products, I didn't want like five and six different scents kind of mixing together. So I try to keep that very, very low. And there's like no, it's sulfate-free, it's paraben-free, nut-free. The gel does have very little alcohol in it, but it's the last thing in my ingredient deck, so it's the least. But nothing else has alcohol in it, which is super drying, and then locks are dry anyway. Start Right Here is brought to you by Beauty Biz Camp, where we equip and inspire the next generation of industry leaders. Head over to our website, beautybizcamp.com, for more information and sign up for our mailing list so you can stay in the know about our upcoming programming. Did you do direct-to-consumer when you launched? How did you get the word out on your product? 
I went live. I did Facebook and Instagram ads. I did influencer marketing. And I built up my email list. And it took a while to get to where I am. I'm at about 6,000 on the list. But that's one thing entrepreneurs really have to do. You got to build up that email list because that's where your money is. I make more money off the email list than off the ads. Say that again, because that's so important. You have to build up your email list because that's where you make your money. That's where your repeat customers are. You know, people that may do a drive-by and just sign up and keep moving. That's where the money is. You need to get your email list up. Make that a priority. And then the paid advertising can be secondary. How did you do it? How did you build up your email list? To get to where I am now, it took from September 2019 to now. It was a slow and steady patience, which if you have locks, you already know about patience because it takes a long time for your hair to lock and stay locked. And you go through the awkward stage where people are like, you need to cut that or pin that down. It's a story of patience. So building out your email list or your Instagram followers, it takes time. People will sign up and you have to give them an incentive, you know, 10% off, 20% off, but you have to give them an incentive to sign up, but it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight unless you get like a viral something with your product and then everybody floods your site and signs up. So people shouldn't be discouraged if it takes a long time to build up the email list. I had never thought about the lock journey as a story of patience. Being a lock entrepreneur, you're just applying that patience philosophy to your business. Yes, it's a slow and steady, you know, and with everything that happened last year, as far as COVID is concerned, it was trying, but I had to remember the whole patience and, you know, this business is going to be dips and high points and low points. And 2020 was a mix of both. So how did COVID impact how you do business? Initially, COVID was very good for Uli because people could not go to the loctician. I mean, people with locks generally don't go to the loctician all the time. They do their hair at home a lot and maybe go to the loctician every now and then. But people were buying because they were home. And I don't think people realized, you know, how long they were going to be home. What became a problem is twofold. People at my labs got COVID. So people were taken off the line. So if it takes 12 people to make something, they had to downsize to six because six people got sick. And then with the six social distancing, maybe you had to downsize to three. On top of that, somebody messed with the postal system. And how that affected my business was, A, we would get to the post office to drop off packages and it would be closed because people did not show up for work. What? Yes. In having conversations with the postmaster because they did not give them overtime, people quit. There was nobody to sort the mail. It took a package to go from Brooklyn to the Bronx three and a half weeks. That started happening from May through about September. Missing packages, lost packages, slow packages. And this is the part of being an entrepreneur that people need to hear. I had to refund $9,000. 
for lost packages and for people who did not want to wait. Wow. Has the post office been fixed or how have you addressed it since? What I've done is, so we're in pre-orders right now. When people purchase, there's a pop-up over where you put your credit card information. You know, it's not going to ship till this date. There's still going to be delays. We're putting that in our social media and in our email marketing. Until our new president gets a new postmaster general, it's not going to be fixed. It's better. But until a new postmaster general can come in and see where the problems are and what needs to be fixed or rolled back or corrected, it's not going to change. Now, everybody ran to UPS and FedEx because they're like, okay, so the post office isn't working right. So we're going to move over to UPS and FedEx. They weren't able to handle the influx. So now they are delayed. So now when you order from me, in the footer of the confirmation email, I will give you the links to UPS, FedEx, and USPS to tell you shipping issues. We've tried to be very upfront about that, but honestly, there's just nothing we can do for the time being. This is how it's going to be. I know in my area in Brooklyn, they still have stuff that they haven't delivered from Christmas. So, And it affected my small business and it affected a lot of other businesses that I could see online. And you can't prepare for this. And if you want to be an entrepreneur, really listen to this because although this is a specific situation, COVID, this could happen. The post office is vulnerable. Now we know our shipping systems are vulnerable. And it's something to keep in mind when you have a product that needs to be delivered. So think about that, entrepreneur wannabes. Let's talk a little bit about the social justice movement and the spotlight on Black-owned bands. How has that impacted your business? In a lot of positive ways. I was part of the CEW 26 Indie List, and that got me to get on Macy's launch on Macy's.com yesterday. That's major. Congratulations. Thank you. They're doing a whole big thing with Black brands. So you can find Uli on Macy's.com. It generated a lot of press for Uli, but I will say just not on a Uli level, but just on a bigger scope, I see some companies are really coming through with Black brands. Like, you know, Macy's is really doing it. I see L'Oreal is giving out grant money. And I think Glossier did that. You know, a few companies really did that. But for the most part, I do feel a lot of it was performative because here we are nine months later and it's back to the same old, same old. But that's okay. Yeah. Well, I don't think if it's okay, but I do agree that there has been a lot that has been performative. And if you cannot walk the walk internally and externally, don't say a word. Like, don't give away money if your employees are being treated like trash. Like, do the whole thing or do nothing. And like I said, I do feel like some companies really realized that they needed to make changes and they stepped in to do that. But then it just seems sort of like a cool bandwagon thing to do. My customers are predominantly of African heritage and have textured hair. So people were donating to Uli so I could give free products to first responders that had locks. That's how I did my part for it. People donated 
and I start, you know, giving out products to first responders that had locks. I, you know, I thought that was a good thing, but I did really sit back and look and just see uh, what people were doing. And the jury's still out on that. I'm still going to watch and see. What do you think the beauty industry needs to do now? As far as social justice or just in general? Social justice, supporting Black entrepreneurs. What do you need and what don't you need? Black entrepreneurs need money and they need access to wholesale accounts if that's the way they want to go, if they want to do wholesale. What we don't need is trying to constantly teach us and mentor us. Listen, a lot of these black hair care brands are pulling 30, 40, 50 K a month. We know how to make the money. We know our customer and everything. We just need access. Maybe we need capital to have more product in the hold. Sometimes I see that they want to have these events and they talk at you and things like that. I feel like it's money and access is what we need. Not so many conferences and things like that. What is the unsung skill you need to make it as an entrepreneur, in your opinion? Definitely patience and just the ability not to fall apart when things don't go right. I'm still working on that because it's like this is your baby and then it falls apart. Like with the whole shipping situation, it was devastating, but I got back up again. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to keep getting up. And even if you have to start from the beginning again, you have to keep getting up. You can't just be like, oh, well, and walk with didn't work. It's going to work, but there's going to be a lot of roadblocks thrown at you, whether financial or, I don't know, systems like the post office. But you have to get back up. Yeah, that's a word right there. How do the listeners find the Uli brand? All right. So Uli is O-O-L-I. The website is ulibeauty.com. That's O-O-L-I beauty.com. And on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Pinterest, it's Uli Beauty. Now let's move on to our fast track questions. What was the first beauty product you ever purchased or tried? <sighs> okay. You're going to laugh at this. Makeup-wise, it was Bonnie Bell Lip Smackers. I'm dating myself a little bit, but that's my first thing. And it was Kimi Oil. I don't know if you remember. It was in a little plastic uh, squeeze bottle, and it was like a hair oil, and it had sort of like a candy scent to it. And I always had to have it. Kimi Oil and Lip Smackers. That was my thing. Kimi was for our hair? Yes, it was. And the oil part was spelled O-Y-L. As a matter of fact, I Googled it the other day. It's still out there. What's the most recent beauty product you tried? I know that you're readying some new products of your own. So what's the most recent product you tried? Well, not my own, but the most recent was Kush Grow House Lash and Brow Serum by Milk. It's hemp derived. I was using it on my brows and then it was a little slow. I just went and got them right microbladed. I was like, I don't have time for that. So I got them microbladed, but it's working on my lashes. I, you know, I didn't really have any and now I have some. So I do like that lash and brow serum they have. Okay. But tell me about microblading. So what was your experience like? Are you glad that you did it? Well, I really didn't have eyebrows before. So they're dark now and it takes some getting used to. 
I had very thin, sparse eyebrows, not from plucking. That's just like how they grew. So now my eyebrows, they're darker, but it's like, I don't have to do the threading or anything. I'm getting used to it, but I like it. I'm glad I did it. And for people who say it doesn't hurt, it absolutely does hurt. I don't know what they're talking about. Cause I went in there. I was like, oh, well, everybody says it's okay. No, it hurts. It's like getting a tattoo. No, this hurt more. What? Mm-hmm. And I have six, seven tattoos. This hurt more. I think it's just because it's on your face. It's a sensitive area. And then whatever eyebrows you have, they shave it off. And then they draw them on and then they do the microblading. It's a process. I have no eyebrows, but my new thing is those temporary tattoo eyebrows because I can't do the microblading. You're going to do it. Trust me. You're going to do it. (laughs) What's the beauty advice you live by or leave alone? Well, believe it or not, even though I have, you know, natural hair and I'm very much into like no chemicals on my hair, I'm very much about doing whatever enhancements beauty wise that you want to do. When I went to get my eyebrows done, I saw people doing the permanent lipstick. It's not for me because I would want to change colors, but I can appreciate that. If you want to change something or enhance something about yourself, I'm completely for that. I'm not judgmental in that way. So I've tried Botox. And when the time comes, I'm not opposed to going under the knife. My beauty advice is just, you know, do what makes you feel good about yourself. That's some good advice. Who was your black, brown beauty icon when you were growing up and who deserves that status now? Growing up, I had two. Grace Jones and this one one might shock you a little bit. Jane Kennedy. No, Jane Kennedy was the woman. She was back then. In the 80s, when she was, you know, doing the sports casting and stuff, I follow her on Instagram now. She looks great. She was really all over the place. And I considered her definitely a beauty icon back then. And what about now? That's a hard one. I do like Rihanna. I mean, I like what she's doing in the beauty space. And I like how she, like, doesn't listen to us when we ask for music. And she's like, here's another beauty product. I do think I like her entrepreneurship. She's pretty too, but I like her spirit, her entrepreneurial spirit. Also, I really like Jodie Turner-Smith. I think she's beautiful. I think she's definitely could have her own beauty campaign or do photo shoots and things like that. I know she's chosen acting, but she could definitely be a model today. Yeah, she is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. She commands your attention when she's on the screen. Which version of Star Trek is your favorite? Well, I think they would call me a Trekker because I like the next generation. I like Captain Picard. He is my favorite captain. Although now that Michael Burnham is captain of Discovery, I don't know. Captain Picard and now Michael Burnham. So those two. I agree. They would be top for me, definitely. I do like Michael Burnham as the captain now. She earned it. And Picard's dark turn or dark story, (laughs) backstory, in Picard, whoa, blew my mind. I mean, it took him, what, 20 some odd years to get to be that person. And I'm not so sure how this whole him being an android thing is going to work. Um, especially when he sees like Deanna Troy, she's going to know that he's not human. But I like that, you know, Patrick Stewart is still with us to do this. 
And I was such a fan of his, you know, original show. So I'm invested in whatever Star Trek stuff comes on CBS All Access or Paramount Plus. Yeah. So. Okay. So <laughs> my little, I, I'm just going to say this, we could probably do a whole different show on this, but my runner up, Avery Brooks, Michelle Yeoh. That's it for me. Okay. Did Avery Brooks ever become a captain? Wasn't he Captain Cisco? Benjamin Cisco. I just remember him being commander all the time. But yes, I did like DS9. And of course, Michelle Yeoh, she's awesome. She's getting her own show, too. I know. Okay, people that don't watch Star Trek are like, what are they talking about? It's really important. <laughs> you do. Okay. You know why this is important? If you're an entrepreneur, you better have some things that bring you joy. Things that take the pressure off. And I love the way you introduce yourself in that you said you're a comic book nerd into the whole Marvel universe, all those kinds of things, because you have made sure that you have surrounded yourself with things other than your business. Yes, you have to do that. And also you have to, have to, have to invest in therapy. But if I was ever to teach an entrepreneur class, that would be one of my topics. Entrepreneurship is a lonely career in the beginning, especially when you're doing everything or you don't have staff or your people are remote, but you do need somebody other than your significant other or family member to unload. And I think going to therapy on top of my television obsession has helped me. And that answers the question I was going to ask us. Well, if somebody wanted to follow in your footsteps, what would you suggest? And so like therapy. Therapy and a lot of outside activities, you know, like TV, a musician, reading, screaming at politics, whatever. You have to have outside hobbies to get through it because it can be very lonely. Absolutely. Well, this has been such a delight to speak to you. And I'm really excited about Uli and the fact that you are dedicated to lock wearers. And if people are fans of the oil, they can come along too. <laughs> but you're laser focused on people who wear locks. And I love that. Yeah, it's definitely when you're creating a business, you want to niche down as far as you can. And don't worry about if someone else is doing it because you can always put your own spin on a business. Well, that's a really, really smart and important thing. Do you think some people give up on an idea because somebody else has done it? Because the... Postal Service, UPS, FedEx, and DHL all exist in the same world. They all do the same thing. And they're all still up and running. Yep. Always know that you bring the magic. You are the special sauce if you're the entrepreneur. Jessica Pritchett, I cannot thank you enough for being with me today. Wishing you tremendous success with Uli. Remember that it's available on Macy's.com in addition to the Uli Beauty website? Yes. UliBeauty.com. And follow her on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Thanks again. Thank you so much. That's our show for today. Remember that there's more than one way to the top. And the most important step is the first one. So start right here.